Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. There's no mistaking this voice. It was loud and clear. It was a message that was clear to John. And and this is encouraging to me, and I hope it will be to you, because whenever the Lord wants to get our attention, He can and will speak to you. You know, if you're one of those people who, who gets frustrated about the will of God... Today on Truth in Christ, the scripture says, And the first voice which I heard, the first voice that spoke to John in Revelation 1 verse 10, spoke to him again here, the voice of Jesus. Jesus called John up to heaven through a door standing open in heaven. The voice spoke loud and clear to John. It was like a trumpet that gathered the congregation of Israel together or gathered an army for battle. John is about to witness heaven, God's throne, and the worship of everyone that is there at the time. Lord Jesus, thank you for the vision John was given that reveals your glorious presence. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's lesson. We're going to be looking at uh, Revelation chapter 4. Last week we began Revelation chapter 4, and let's just read through it really quickly and um, we'll see how far we get today. My hope is to finish this chapter. Uh, there's a lot here, I'll be honest with you, and, and it's so wonderful. I, I love the fact that in the Word of God, there is nothing that is in it that is there by happen, happenstance. Everything there is by design. There's a purpose. God doesn't waste ink. He doesn't waste words. He says what He means, and He means what He says. You know, like the Ford Motor Plant, and let me just give you a really bad example, but it's the closest one I can think of. When they're on the assembly line and they're making a Ford F-350, the Hemi, the really nice one, um, when they're putting that thing together, they don't put spare parts in, in, the, in the automobile just because... It's a good thing to do. No, every single nut and bolt and washer and everything is scrutinized for the amount of money that that part costs because that adds up. And so God is even more so than that. He doesn't mince words. He doesn't put words in the Bible just because, you know, he wants to fill up ink. It is quite the opposite, actually. His word is efficient. It's condensed truth. And it's something that we will unpack for our lifetime. In fact, eternity will not be enough time for us to unpack everything that he has here, right? And so let's go ahead and read uh, chapter 4. And again, remember this as you read the Word of God to understand that everything here is by design. There are no mistakes. Nothing is there by happenstance. It is always very deliberate. And once you know that about the Word of God, it will open your eyes 
to help you study every little word. And that's precisely why, you know, I spend a lot of time going under certain things because there are reasons that God puts these things in here. And when we begin to look at their perhaps their original context or their original meaning behind this, it gives us a richer understanding and a richer experience as we read the Word of God together. And it will certainly encourage your worship and your Bible study together. And it just opens up even greater doors of, of understanding and certainly growth in the Lord. And so let's read this. John writing, he says, After these things, after these things I looked... And behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, and I will show you things which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven. And one sat on the throne, and he who sat there was like a jasper, and a sardius stone in appearance, and there was a rainbow around the throne, in appearance like an emerald. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and on the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white robes, and they had crowns of gold on their heads. And from the throne proceeded lightnings, thunderings, and voices. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was a sea of glass like crystal, And in the midst of the throne and around the throne were four living creatures full of eyes in front and in back. The first living creature was like a lion. The second living creature was like a calf. The third living creature was like the face of a man. And the fourth living creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within. And they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, they fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne saying, You are worthy, O God, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. So, and there's a lot more uh, we have coming uh, as we get into chapter 5, hopefully next week or the week following. We'll just see how that goes. But remember, as we look at chapters 4 and chapter 5, the whole scene has changed. Uh, Up until this time, we've been looking at the the seven churches of Revelation. And those churches, obviously, were uh, entities that were on the earth. And and those were seven literal churches. And we've already talked about this, and you can listen to previous messages. But um, now that the church age, you know, uh, John, again, is, is writing... And Jesus is giving them this revelation, not only of Jesus himself, but also the plan, the very thought, the very heart of God going forward after these things. In fact, if you look at the very first verse, it says, after these things. In the Greek, it's really important because it says, um, meta tauta. That's literally what the Greek is behind those English words, because we know the, Old, the New Testament was written in Greek. So, after these After these things, literally in the Greek, is meta tauta, and it means after these things. After what things would be the natural response? What things are you talking about? After what things? After what we just read. Chapters 2 and chapters 3 really encompass not only seven churches physically, locally in the first century, but they also encompass 
and uh, exemplify churches, the church age, from the very beginning on the day of Pentecost up until the Lord returns for the church in the rapture, where we meet him in the air. And so after these things literally means after the church has been removed. And last week we talked about the rapture in some detail. We could spend three or four uh, Sunday mornings talking about that topic alone. But as we go, and uh, we will be talking about it more as we get uh, further on in the book of Revelation. So, notice, we've already looked at after these things. We talked about what that means, and we talked about the rapture of the church. And notice what it says. It says, Behold, a door standing open in heaven. And when, when you think of a door, it speaks of an invitation, doesn't it? It speaks of an invitation or admittance into something that you currently are not in. And so, John is being invited as a representative of the church, because he was part of the church himself. He was being invited by the Lord to come up so that John could write the things that Jesus was going to do yet future after these things, after the church age has been removed and the church is in glory. The Lord wanted to give John this message from chapter 4 down to the, the rest of the chapter of, uh, or the rest of the book of Revelation. Because even right now, the rapture of the church has not occurred. And so we folks, we're still in chapter 3, physically, okay? So, in fact, we might even be in this very last church uh, that, that is mentioned here, perhaps, the, the Laodicean church. Now, again, not everybody is lukewarm, but um, church-wide, there's a lot of lukewarmness and a lot of nonsense going on in the church, and people are being lulled to sleep. And I don't want to be like that. And even though the age may be... Uh, identified as that, that doesn't mean that we as individuals have to be that way. In fact, I would encourage you to resist it with everything you've got in you. And the only way you can do that is by opening your heart to Christ, getting in the Word, being in prayer, and being fervent in your walk with Him, reaching out to others, speaking to others, you know, delighting yourself in your Bible studying, learning more about the Lord Himself, and learning more about yourself as well. And, and, and that's really wonderful to, to do. But notice now that John is being uh, invited to come up and uh, a door is opened. A door is opened to him. And in fact, the door is wide open because the Lord is calling him uh, up to himself. And remember, this is exactly what Jesus spoke to his disciples that night that he was taken um, right after the... Um, the, the, the upper room, the, the, the Last Supper, if you will. Um, it's recorded for us in John's Gospel, four, uh, chapter 14. Jesus said to them, remember, right before he would be taken, he said to them, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But notice what he says. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, what did he say? I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may also be. So do you understand that Jesus was telling them about the rapture, about what was coming? He would ascend to the Father. We know that he did that 40 days after his resurrection. He ascended into heaven. It's recorded for us in Acts and, and, and in the Gospels. They looked up on the Mount of Olives and they saw him ascending. 
And two angels, as he was ascending, said, Why are you looking up in the sky, in the clouds? As he, just as he departed from here, he's also coming back. And he's coming back to that same spot, the Bible tells us, in Zechariah chapter 14. But notice with this open door, uh, when Jesus was speaking to the church in Philadelphia, what did he say to them? He says, See, I have set before you an open door, and no one can shut it. It was an open door. And this, this Philadelphia was, of all the churches, one that God, that Jesus, didn't have to offer a reprimand of any kind. In fact, he said, The door is open for you, the door is wide open. And I want to be part of that church. Even if I live in the Laodicean age, I want to live my heart. I want to be a Philadelphian in my heart. And I pray that our fellowship is a Philadelphia church. Uh, because that that's really what the Lord would have for us, right? We don't have to succumb to the Laodicean age. That may be the, 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 the temperature overall, globally, over the church, but let it not be for us individually and certainly in our fellowship. But notice what he said uh, to the Laodicean church, this church of the last days that we live in right now. What did he say to them? He said in verse 20 of chapter 3, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why does the God of all creation have to knock to be allowed admittance into his church. It makes no sense. God has opened the door for us. Why is it that we shut the door on him? And we do that through various means. And so I just leave that to you as a, as a challenge because it is a challenge today. But notice we go on in verse 1 and notice what John says in verse 1. He says, And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, come up here and I will show you things which must take place after this. Again, meta tauta. <laughs> and, and that ought to bring us back to certainly John, um, Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, where we have the outline. And so chapter 4 here, really, again, just to backtrack really quickly, that this is really the last third of, of the section of the book. Uh, there's a first section, a second section, which was the... Chapters 2 and 3, the church age, and now chapter 4 to the end is metatauta, after these things. Things which must come after. But notice, in the first voice which I heard, and who is he referring to? It's really easy. Just flip over your page in your Bible over to chapter 1 and look at verse 10. Remember, John says in chapter 10, uh, I'm sorry, verse 10 of chapter 1, He says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, Omega, the first and the last. Now, who is this person? Who is this voice that is speaking like a trumpet? It is Jesus Christ. We know that very clearly from that. And this word trumpet, there's no mistaking this voice. It was loud and clear. It was a message that was clear to John. And, and this is encouraging to me, and I hope it will be to you, because whenever the Lord wants to get our attention, He can and will speak to you. You know, if you're one of those people who, who gets frustrated about the will of God, I want to encourage you not to fret, not to get discouraged, because I was discouraged early in my walk with Jesus because I really wanted his will done, but I didn't know how to accomplish it. I mean, we're talking about how do I, I mean, every decision I make is putting me on a trajectory, isn't it? And so for me to be in his will, that means that he's got to be control over my conjecture and also uh, outside influences that come into my path wherever I go. And, And I love this, that God, he speaks like a trumpet. He speaks in a voice that's loud and clear, like 
a general on the field with an army, he blows that trumpet. It's a unique identifying sound that everyone in the platoon, they all know what that sound is. And different types of sounds mean different things. And Jesus is able to get through to you. If you're discouraged today because you're not really hearing God, believe me, there have been uh, probably three or four times in my, wa- in my walk in the last 25 years that I can honestly say that God intervened and He spoke to me so clearly. One time was audible to me. I don't know if it was audible to anybody else because uh, most of them were sleeping at the time uh, in a room up in Franklin, Pennsylvania. But I will say this, that when God speaks, He is able to get He's able to get a hold of your your attention. You don't even need to worry about it. You don't need to stress about it. Believe me, because it's happened to me. I, I wish I could say that it was something that I did, you know, something that I did to merit him doing that. And the answer is no. There's nothing. Just be open and desire his will. He's able to get you there, and he will. He'll speak to you just like he did to John. You know, these are watershed moments in our lives, and God intervenes in wonderful ways. And so, and you know what I like about this is it reminds me of, you don't have to go here, but I would encourage you to write the reference down. In Exodus chapter 19 is a time three months after the children of Israel were delivered from Egypt. Remember that God brought them together there at Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, and he was going to deliver to them the law. And one of the things that he said to them, and it's in Exodus chapter 19, and beginning in verse 10, let me just read it to you. It's just a few verses, but it will kind of put this trumpet idea in perspective because, again, God, when he speaks, it is loud and it is clear. And we're going to see as we look in the, further in the chapter when it talks about thunderings and lightnings and voices, believe me, heaven is not going to be a quiet place, but we're all going to be able to handle the volume. <laughs> but notice what it says in Exodus 19, verse 10. It says, The Lord said to Moses, Go to the people, and he's talking about the Jews at this time, having come out of Egypt just three months ago, and go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow, and let them wash their clothes, and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down from Mount Sinai in the sight of the people, and you shall set bounds for the people all around, saying, Take heed to yourself that you do not go up to the mountain or touch its base. And whoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Not a hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot with an arrow. Whether man or beast, he shall not live. Notice, when the trumpet sounds long, they shall come near the mountain. And so the trumpet, again, is an invitation. It's a a unique identifying sound, and there's no mistaking it. There's no mistaking it. And that's the way God has uh, chosen to to work throughout history. When he wants to speak, believe me, you're not going to have a problem hearing him. He has a way of doing it. I know this for sure. And many of you do too. You've had situations like that and sometimes there's years between those things and so we do we get discouraged just like the patriarchs just like Moses we get discouraged just like Peter we get discouraged you know like Jeremiah because you know we think of all the things that God had written to them and sometimes there was there was years sometimes decades in between these visitations if you will where God spoke to them loud and clear loud and clear and so and it's interesting as we go through the book of Revelation that the only two musical instruments that are mentioned in the book of Revelation are the trumpet and the lyre, or the harp. I like to think of it as like a guitar. 
because I'm partial. So, uh, so these are the only two instruments that are mentioned. But look again at chapter 1, at the, at the bottom part of the verse. He says, come up here and I will show you things which must take place, meta tauta, after these things. Again, come up. I would underline that word because that word is very interesting. It's a Greek word and it's anabaino. Anna, Anna Baino, and literally what it means is to ascend up, to, to rise up, to be born up, to spring up. It's very interesting uh, and very similar to the word that we saw in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, where uh, Paul tells us that, uh, speaking of the rapture, that we will be caught up. The idea is harpazo, and that word means to be snatched up violently off of the earth. It's a very similar word. Although there is a difference because the harpazo, when the rapture occurs, it's going to be involuntary. We're not going to have to. We're not going to be able to say, um, "Lord, uh, give me a few minutes. I need to wash my hair. I need to take a shower. I need to put on something a little more appropriate." There's going to be none of that. It's going to happen, and whether we like it or not, no matter what we're wearing, no matter if we've brushed our teeth or not, um, uh, it's going to happen. But this. Uh, this anabaneo or anabaino, this word literally means, you know, God basically invited John as a representative of the church to come up and to see these things, to see these things. After this, after these things, and notice verse 2, immediately I was in the spirit and behold a throne set in heaven and one sat on the throne. You know, underline that phrase, in the Spirit, and I would have you also put off to the side maybe a little reference, uh, Revelation chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. Because when it speaks of being in the Spirit, it's sort of like being transported to the time in the future, just as John was in, in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10, while he was still physically on the island of Patmos. Because remember, as John is being uh, transported, in a sense, uh, and, and even right now, in the beginning of chapter four, here he says that he was uh, he was taken up, come up here. You know, the Lord says to him, but he says he, he was in the spirit, meaning his body was still physically on the Isle of Patmos, right in that um, in that mine that he was working at as punishment from Domitian. So he was in the spirit; he was transported somehow to the time of the end. We don't understand that. It, was it a dreamlike trance? Was it a, whatever it was, it was something that was spiritual. It was something that was not physical because his body was literally there still on the island of Patmos. But notice what it says in Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. It, remember, he says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. That means that he was in the Spirit during this period of time, the Lord's day, which really encompasses uh, uh, a period of time from the rapture of the church all the way to the end of the millennium. And some people uh, just include it and just say that it's just the time of you know the rapture of the church or the time of the great white throne judgment, whatever that is. But that whole period we could designate as being the, the Lord's day because it's, it's something that the Lord is going to do and it's a, a day that he has been longing for. And a thousand years is his one day and one day is his a thousand years as it says. And so we have every reason to believe that John was being transported to the time of the end that God was showing him. And so, uh, uh, turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12, really quickly. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we're just going to look at the first four verses. This idea of being in the Spirit is very similar to what happened to the Apostle Paul. 
And he records for us in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 this. He says, It is doubtful, and I would encourage you to read the whole chapter in context because the context is important. He said, It is doubtless not, profit, it is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And then he says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up. And that word again is harpazo. So again, Paul, he was also... I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our journey through the book of Revelation. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.